Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Questions we would like to hear answered at Bruce Cassidy's introductory press conference today with the VGK. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick. You could follow us at Lockdown VGK on Twitter and me at Tony Dasco on Twitter and Chris Golick at TD Chris G also on Twitter. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, for the VGK faithful, we put together a list of some questions that we want answered in Bruce Cassidy's first presser, which happens to be Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And so I'll get things started here, and then we could just dive into some of the uh, questions that we want answered personally and perhaps questions that the fans want uh, to hear answered. And, you know, the first thing I would have to ask would be, what system will Cassidy run? How will it differ from what he ran in Boston? And then will he and Kelly McCrimmon work closely to get personnel that more or less matches what he wants to do? Because right now there's a lot of uh, pieces that are just hanging, dangling out there for the Golden Knights. And I think it's important because there's going to have to be a lot of work done over the summer. A lot of changes, we believe, uh, we've discussed in the past on the current roster. And now you have to have a roster that fits the head coach and his style and what he's going to try to do. And in watching the Stanley Cup final, you know, Colorado and Tampa, they just are thumping and playing physical hockey. And that was one of the missing components of the Golden Knights this past season. So what system will he run? And how much different will it be? What tweaks will he have to make to fit what he has personnel-wise here in Vegas uh, from the jump? Uh, it's all all big mystery, and I'm definitely curious to see exactly what changes are made, if any. Um, it's going to be time for Cassidy to grow a little bit. And what I say, what I mean when I say that is he, all he knows is the Bruins from his time in Providence, then making the shift up to the NHL club. So this is a completely different move, figuratively and literally, going from East Coast to West Coast, obviously. Vegas is a much different world as well. So how is he going to handle that? And that's the number one thing that I want to see. Uh, Vegas is not for everybody. Hopefully uh, Cassidy can, uh, you know, keep himself away from the tables and all, and all the, the glitz and glam that Vegas offers. Um, but I want to see how he works with the current players and like you said, exactly what roster changes are going to be needed specifically for what his style of play is going to be. When I think about the Bruins, I think about skill. I think about speed. And they also were very physical, uh, starting with, uh, you know, all the all the time they had Chara back there and some other thumpers along the way. So he has a pretty he, he's had pretty well balanced rosters. Um, he's also had, you know, good line four uh, scoring lines as well, uh, thinking back to some of their recent deep playoff runs. So the Golden Knights roster, as is, certainly 
is something he's used to, I think, with the combination of speed and skill. Uh, the defense is very solid on paper, at least. Uh, and the line four, you know, our checking line, so to speak, when healthy, of course, can certainly um, complement what Cassidy, I think, is going to bring to the Golden Knights. And uh, to me, another question that I would have to ask and a question that I want answered at the presser today, probably by Kelly McCrimmon, how much involvement did Mm -hmm. I tweeted this out the other day, uh, Chris, how -hmm. much involvement did Bill Foley have in the decision making process? Because he said he's going to be more involved. He might be getting tired. I think at least on the periphery could be getting tired of McCrimmon and McPhee and you know what? I think McCrimmon is definitely on the clock. And like I said, if this team gets off to a slow start, he might be the fall guy for the VGK. Uh, so George McPhee, as we know, fired Bruce Cassidy in Boston. So how will that relationship work? How will that work? Will they be able to work together? I'm sure both being professionals. But again, you know, you have a little chip on your shoulder. If this is a guy that fired you and it was a bad experience at the end in Washington. But I have to wonder just how much influence did Bill Foley have? So a few things there. Um, coaches are hired to be fired in the in, in all sports, but definitely the NHL. We're on season six of EGK with our third head coach. So that tells you something right there. And, and this is not unique just simply for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, going back to a couple other things. Yes, Bill Foley's involvement. Um, what I want to know is... What was the timeline from the moment Cassidy was first let go to the first contact from the Golden Knights to when an offer was made and signed? I'm curious how fast that actually happened. And I think that might also help us unlock a little bit of information about how things may have gone with uh, with trots and why or why not, I guess we could say now why not trots was not the person in vegas we know trots was uh he received an offer that i believe he rejected in philadelphia for seven million dollars per season for i'm not sure how many seasons um so is vgk just simply you know chasing those shiny new toys right now and, and chasing the names you have to think that they made an aggressive pitch if anything if not even an offer but at least just an aggressive pitch to trots so if Cassidy comes out and says, yeah, I was you know, fired on Monday, VGK called Wednesday, and it seemed like by Friday, you know, this was all going to happen. I think that'll kind of give us some clues into how things went, um, went with uh, the trots situation. I'm very happy we have Cassidy. I'm not, you know, this is no buyer's remorse or anything like that. Just trying to learn exactly how VGK does their business. As far as Foley's involvement and McCrimmon being on the hops, hot seats, Taking a deeper dive here, I think Foley believes in the roster last year. I think he believes the team underachieved, even given all of the injuries that the team had, which explains why DeBoer was let go and McCrimmon slash McFoley are still members of the Golden Knights. So I think Foley believes in whatever McCrimmon and Foley are selling to him. I think they're actually pretty safe right now. I think even if it's a slow start, I don't think you're going to hear anything about McCrimmon and and or McPhee uh, being let go. Um, There is a plan in place that Foley has been sold on. Did Foley ultimately decide, hey, I want Cassidy. We're going to get him at all costs. That's certainly fair. 
Um, do I think he went over the top and, you know, picked up the phone and called McCrimmon and said, Hey, make it happen. I'm not sure if, if it was that, um, in depth, sort of speak, I think Foley still trust McCrimmon and McPhee, but I could certainly see an advanced level of conversation taking place. Um, not just about, um, uh, Cassidy, but trots and everybody else that was available on the market. So, yeah, I also want to know about that timeline and did VGK, because we know that, the GMs are close at times and they do talk an awful lot. Um, how deep in was VGK into the coaching search? Did VGK know in advance that Cassidy was going to get fired? Is that one of the reasons perhaps they held off on uh, Barry Trotz? Did Trotz want more involvement like we heard in the personnel decisions here? He wants to become a GM eventually from everything we've heard. Uh, or did he take up Winnipeg? Was Winnipeg's offer just too good? Free beer for life. And, you know, when Foley countered with free wine for life, I, I, I don't think that kind of fit the brand of Barry Trotz. When I was with Ian yesterday from uh, Lockdown Bruins, I made a comment. I won't go too deep to it, but I made a comment that uh, there's other things maybe outside of Las Vegas proper that other business establishments might be able to uh, up the ante with a little bit. Um, another question that I think I would like answered, maybe just, you know, to kind of take off the pressure a little bit is I'm curious what Cassidy's, uh, what his involvement in Vegas was, how much time he's spent here. Has he ever vacationed here? Or, you know, is it kind of like when DeBoer came in, you know, all, you know, is the strip, you, you don't know much about the city. Um, I was at the second, uh, night to remember gala at, uh, at Encore a few years back and it was weeks after DeBoer was signed and all the players and everyone is there, including DeBoer. And, you know, I got a few minutes with him, shared, shared a drink or so. And I asked him at the time, I said, Hey, what is your, <clears throat> what's your impression of Vegas? Like, what is it now? You know, you've been here for a few weeks versus what was it like you know, then just coming in as a visiting coach. And he started off with a funny comment. He's like, he's happy that he's finally gets to come here and try and win because he always got his butt kicked. But then he went on to talk about the city and the schools and, you know, Summerlin specifically, because that's where everyone seems to migrate to and such. So I'm curious uh, what Cassidy's impression of Vegas is outside of the Las Vegas strip and he's only been there for a few days or so. So you might not get a whole lot out of it, but something like that is fun for the Las Vegas locals just to kind of take in a little bit. And I'm curious to hear from Bruce Cassidy, how he's going to improve his communication skills. He thought that that might've been a weakness. That's something of course that uh, Sweeney and Cam Neely had mentioned, you know, when he departed there, he's had a full eight days before he accepted his job <laughs> to clean that up. I think he'll be, just fine right now no doubt um when i was talking to ian again yesterday um cassidy was the one i guess who called the media presser after he was let go just as an opportunity to you know just uh kind of close things off so to speak and uh someone else from the media basically said uh cassidy just put on a master class in how you transition from, you know, out of a job and such, because he was very professional in everything he said. He did acknowledge some of his shortcomings that he felt he could have done better. Um, he was also calculated in some of the things that he said. There is a knock on how he is with younger players. He went on to explain how some of the younger players have developed under him, mainly someone like a Charlie McAvoy. Um, 
so I like everything about Cassidy so far. I think he is growing as a coach. I think everything he did in Boston, all of his success will help him come in here and handle the immediate pressure that he's going to be under. Although there's a little less pressure, I think. Vegas was tired of DeBoer. I mean, let's just put that out there right now. We were tired of not having an identity. We were tired of these lazy shots coming in from the point, always hitting the the goalie's uh, crest. And uh, as all the players cited during locker cleanout day, um, the lack of creativity. So Cassidy has a bit of a, of a safety net early on. Um, if Vegas can have some quick success as well, that will take a lot more of the pressure off. Coming up next, what will it take for Bruce Cassidy to succeed here in Las Vegas? You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. You know how our friends at Built are always coming up with amazing new flavors? Well, Chris's favorite has arrived. This time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. If you're not sure what mud pie tastes like, Chris, do you want to give them a little glimpse? Because I know it is rich with whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and then topped off with cookies and cream crumble. thought this was a health snack we were talking about. It sure is because it's only 150 <laughs> calories, 8 grams of sugar, and 16 grams of protein. It's, it's a good snack that doesn't feel like you're eating something that has all the health value that you mentioned. That's the easiest way to explain it, and it, it'll fill you up to get you to the next meal. So chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream, crumble, stop drooling, get to built.com today, order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now, and you won't regret it. Go to built.com and you could use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And we still have uh, to get your feedback. We have that important favor to ask of you. So we've put together a survey so you can learn more about uh, everything we could learn about you. You could learn more about us, learn about listeners like you, and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. Your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like about Locked On podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now. Get things started. Won't take you very long. And everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, once again, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thank you for all of your help. And Chris, what does VGK have to do to make Bruce Cassidy a success here in Las Vegas? You know, I was just thinking, uh, will winning games and making the playoffs be enough? No, uh, this is a fan base that is very spoiled. And in year one, he's going to have to go at least into the second round, maybe third. Right? That's, uh, I think, a goal for the for this team. I know they want to win a cup. I'm not sure if they can do that that rapidly, and especially with a lot of the other teams that have improved. And you know, one of the things that I've really noticed as we've gone along. Uh, throughout the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs, right, Chris, is the fact that so many teams improve themselves at the trade deadline. 
Whereas even if that the Donoff trade went through, it still would not have been anything at, well, that was maybe perhaps one of the pieces, but it still would not have been impactful. I don't believe for the Golden Knights. So I mean, again, the personnel side, we talked about that. I think personnel is going to be a big, big issue here uh, throughout the course of the summer. There's going to be, I think, a variety of moves. And then, of course, he has to deal with the salary cap. The last two seasons, salary cap issues have, they've really bit the Golden Knights, and especially late in the season. And they're not the smartest team in the room. They're not. They've proven this two years in a row. Enough of the shenanigans with the salary cap. And for him to be successful, I think, first and foremost, personnel, the fits a system, we've been discussing that, and then the salary cap, it's about time that VGK just cuts all the nonsense and thinking that they're much smarter than everyone else. So VGK was the smartest team in the room around the expansion draft. Uh, we obviously remember what happened season one. We go to the Stanley Cup, and then it comes out in season number five locker cleanout day that we learned that business model was not sustainable. So what that tells me is we went from the smartest team in the room to outsmarting ourselves in just a short period of time. Uh, season one, I believe uh, Tomas Tatar was one of our acquisitions. And then season two, um, I believe, was the combination of Alec Martinez. And then uh, that was also Mark Stone right at the deadline. Um, and forgive me if, if, if Alec Martinez was season two or season three. Maybe that might have been season three. Um, but after that, there has not been a whole lot of movement around the trade deadline, just for the reason that you mentioned. <clears throat> Going back to the Donoff, I think the only reason that the Donoff trade with the Ducks is happening was to clear up space to get Riley Smith back in the lineup. That's that's my my perspective. I mean, the Donoff was scoring at the time and being productive. You're not looking to shed that salary cap right now. And Anaheim certainly isn't looking to improve their team for a playoff run by getting uh, the Donoff when they're far out of it. So I have to think there was a part two to that whole thing. And, and yes, the salary has bitten us in the butt for you know, the last two seasons, big time from running these unbalanced lineups to only having, I believe, 15 or 16 skaters in basically a, a game that would have determined the division in season number four. That was against uh, Colorado. And, and I mean, just thinking back to that game, VGK scores first and then they get tired. Colorado wears them out and scores two goals in the third. And, you know, we still had a nice run that year, but winning the division obviously sets you up for a better playoff run. As far as what success is going to look like, I understand that the roster has a lot of questions and can things be turned around quick enough to be a cup contender. And my answer to that is this is a Stanley Cup win now or bust type of roster. I'm not saying I think they can necessarily do that at this point. I have, we have to evaluate once all the moves are made and such. But looking at all of our higher priced talents, I mean, we can spend an, an entire show dissecting just, you know, where 30 million of our, you know, 80-ish million, uh, $80 million cap goes. And it's on players that are well over 30 years of age, only going to be, you know, getting a bit older and slowing down as, as such. So if they don't win now, it's going to be even harder next year. If they don't win next year, it's going to be even harder the following year. And I say that because a lot of these contracts are simply unmovable pieces. And then if you go a step farther, 
You look at one of the younger players who did produce for one season and got paid your boy, William Carlson, of course, I'm talking about, you know, that's uh, that's a contract that is going to be hurting BGK for a while. Looking past that now, I'm just kind of trying to think about what players and this could be maybe, maybe a segment for another show, but what players currently on the VGK roster stand the best chance to improve under Cassidy? And we can maybe compare that to players who have had similar success over in Boston. Uh, I compare someone like, uh, you know, Jonathan Marchessault to Brad Marchand, um, like Zach Whitecloud to Charlie McAvoy and, and that such. So maybe William Carlson can fit somewhere in that list and we can find a, a comparable player with Boston who maybe had a slower run and then Cassidy kind of turned that person's career around a little bit. Um, but going back to uh, your main point, it's Stanley cup or nothing, I think, honestly, or at least a Stanley cup final or nothing. If this team limps into the playoffs has a little better success than last year, but gets knocked out. That's not a successful season by any means uh, round two and outs. I kind of feel the same way. If they make it to the conference final, four wins from uh, you know the, the the Stanley Cup final, I'll, I'll feel okay about the season. I think, and it depends on how you go out too. You know, if you are fighting, if it's a game seven loss, and you know, if it's a closely contested series, I think that's got a lot to do with it. Just around the city, there is a lot of excitement now around VGK. I think uh, I, I'm guessing that a large majority of fans are happy with the hiring of Bruce Cassidy. Again, only time will tell. And then some other areas I think that it's going to take for Bruce Cassidy to succeed here. They need to become a more physical team. Uh, they're just, they are, if, as you watch these teams uh, in, the, in the cup final and throughout the playoffs, the ones that have moved forward, more physical, uh, bigger, stronger, bigger teams, you know, and, I will we'll talk about it in the next segment, but, you know, for Tampa now, they are facing a team that is really a lot bigger than what I, I think they've been facing in the playoffs so far. But they're going to have to be a more physical team, and they're going to have to figure out how they're going to get there. Um, and then a couple of other areas that are going to have to improve. Yes, the communications with the players. And let's face it, he's got a lot of divas in that locker room here in Vegas. And you have, what, now three former captains, uh, three captains, I think, you know, of this team. And perhaps everyone wants to be a leader. And everyone, I think, has to have just that one singular voice. And then, again, the development of the farm system. We've discussed this, Chris. They don't really, they're not developing a ton of players. Yeah, they have guys that I think could be uh, pieces that could come up from, you know, the 215 back and forth. But are there going to be players that, like a Brendan Brisson, that we feel can stick with the roster? So those are just some areas. They need to be more physical. I think communications has to also, you know, be something that they work on effectively. Uh, one voice, one voice, not just in the locker room, okay? One voice from the front office to the head coach, from everyone, from McPhee to McCrimmon, and starting with Foley, down to Bruce Cassidy, because... The past two coaches that have been here, they are just straight shooters. Bruce Cassidy is a straight shooter and very honest. And I think what's going to happen here is you're going to have messages that get muddled from the top down to the podium when the head coach is addressing the media. So communications across the board 
and that farm system, they need to develop some of these younger players, uh, the, the future of VGK. A lot to digest there and a lot of good stuff. Um, I think the only spot where I would pick a fight with you before I move on a little bit is about the locker room. Um, I know last season was tough. We don't need to rehash all of that, but I don't feel like the VGK locker room is unwound at all. I think it's still a tight group. You don't hear a a lot about infighting and you just... It's not what it was season one or even season two, for that matter. We can certainly concede that. There are a lot of personalities in that locker room, a lot of interesting personalities. But, you know, Jack Eichel is the lightning rod. We know that based on things that happened in Buffalo and, you know, him coming out and saying he's going to be better than Connor McDavid when the dust settles and, and stuff like that. But, you know, Eichel, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, has been nothing but you know, a model citizen since his arrival in, in Vegas, simply trying to fit in. So I think the locker room is just fine. And Cassidy just needs to continue to manage the, the personalities and make sure things don't get too out of line and such the communication you mentioned. Sure. That's all very important. And obviously when Foley, you know, gives something to when someone speaks at the microphone on media day, it's certainly going to play telephone all the way through and then it's going to get muddled up. And then when the media and the press reports it, it's their perspective of it. So sure. That's all, that's all fine and dandy. Um, I I do want to touch though on, on I think the biggest point in all that was the farm system. Uh, If you look back at some of the teams that uh, Cassidy coached at the AHL level, uh, Tori Krug went through uh, Providence, Marchand, uh, Pasternak, just to name a couple and these players went on to be, you know, have incredible continuing careers, uh, mainly, of course, uh, Marchand and uh, Pasternak. So we are not, do we have that player sitting right now in Henderson outside of Braswan? And Braswan just got there. He just got there. So let's take him away from the equation. What player currently on V, on, excuse me, what player currently in Henderson? has the highest ceiling, not just to be a a line three defensive grinder type, but someone who has the potential to turn a game around, someone who's going to score between 25 and 30 goals, continuous, you know, basically on average. Is it Paul Cotter? I I don't think so. Is it LeCision? I I don't think so. Um, Brisson, obviously, well, yes, um, Outside of that, I mean, maybe, maybe Pavel Dorofiev, maybe he has that type of ceiling. Um, he's one I definitely want to see how he grows and expands because uh, he should have an opportunity to crack the roster next year. Outside of that, and, and that's the thing, like um, we're speculating, like there's nothing that we've seen out of Dorofiev that suggests he's going to be this type of player based on his two seasons now down there. So Yes, the farm system needs more development. And we've also traded away a lot of key pieces. We wouldn't have players like Pacioretty and Stone as, and, and uh, Jack Eichel as such if we would have traded some of these pieces away. You know, Tuck obviously did, you know, have a little stint with the Chicago Wolves before uh, Vegas called him up. Peyton Krebs obviously uh, was bouncing between, um, uh, I believe, the WHL and then Henderson. And he was just w- well above the AHL game. And he's obviously having a good start over in, um, over in Buffalo. 
I mean, thinking back, would you would you rather have Tuck and Krebs or Jack Eichel right now? I guess you can make an argument based on Jack Eichel's output last year. I really hope next year we can sit back and say, okay, this was a wonderful trade for VGK. And I think it will be eventually. And I I, think it, so. it, it will be because now Cassidy, he's wanted to coach Jack Eichel when he was back in Boston. Again, that was one of the teams that they were talking to as far as uh, – whether or not Eichel could wind up there in Boston. That would have been a good piece, I think, for the Bruins. Uh, they thought it could happen there. But for Jack Eichel uh, to lead this team, they need to build around him. They need to build around Jack Eichel. He's the centerpiece. He is your go-to guy. He will be your bell cap. Uh, he's not a second-line center. And I think Chandler Stevenson is your second-line center eventually anyway. But yeah, to me, it's like if they don't build around Jack Eichel, then they're missing a major, major point. And for Bruce Cassidy to succeed here, I think Jack Eichel is that player that you need to showcase, you need to work with, you need to see what you need to do to make him more of a success. No doubt. Eichel is the key to the team that was clear when this trade was made. Uh, Tuck and Krebs, two very good pieces, mainly mainly Tuck, just based off of his success for the last, you know, three and a half, four seasons or so. But yes, this team needs to be built around Jack Eichel. Uh, we've been saying this ever since the trade was made. I think a big uh, point in the offseason is going to be finding an additional piece or two, whether it's already in Henderson or uh, via free agency, an additional piece or two to compliment Jack Eichel because he did have some time with Pacioretty and Stone, mainly a uh, more time with Pacioretty down the stretch and such. And you didn't see them necessarily. They weren't, they weren't not doing well, but they weren't a high level line one potent scoring machine. A lot of adjectives in there, but they definitely were not taking over the game and just keeping the pressure on. So that's going to be one of the many off-season uh, you know, boxes that need to be checked. Find a compliment to Jack Eichel. And it, it, what's that going to be at the expense of with the salary cap? That certainly is uh, to be determined. Coming up next, Colorado takes a one to nothing lead in the Stanley Cup Final. We'll talk about the Cup Final when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back, and thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. It's a big day today as they will introduce Bruce Cassidy to the local media. And, of course, a lot of the fans will be tuning in. And on tomorrow's show, we'll have some feedback for you on what we felt transpired. And I know that all of our questions are going to be answered because I know that VGK is currently playing back our Lockdown VGK podcast, of course, so that they could give uh, Bruce Cassidy some pointers and what we're looking for. So uh, Andre Barkovsky, uh, again, filling in for an injured Nazim Kadri, and he scores the game winner. Barkovsky, one of, I think, just two Colorado Avalanche players. It's him and Darren Helm, I believe, who have won a cup before. Uh, we've seen enough of Barakovsky back in 2018 uh, with the Washington Capitals and uh, a lot of experience on the ice. What a great game. What a great way to start off, save 
the ESPN coverage, which is, I can't deal with it anymore. Uh, but a great start to the Stanley Cup final. I know you're all in with Tampa, but I'm telling you right now, that could have been a series-defining game for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, a series-defining game. I mean, let's okay. Let's let's take a a, a, a very. These aren't the Rangers, man. They're not going to fold. I'm telling you right now. No, they're they're not going to fold. No doubt, they're not going to fold. And, and neither is Tampa. And th- these are two awesome, pretty evenly matched teams here. And looking at the first period, I I put this out there, looking at the first period, Colorado started very well. They did awesome for the first seven or eight minutes. Tampa weathered the storm, got one back. And then unfortunately they took two penalties, both, both good calls. They didn't get screwed over or anything like that. Both very good calls by uh, the officiating team. And then obviously uh, Colorado takes that three, one lead. You throw out that two man advantage And then you look at what happened in that second period. Tampa was the better team for a lot of that game. And Colorado, all the credit to them for hanging in there and finding a way to get there in overtime. That penalty, that delay game was just a a backbreaker at the end, uh, even though it wasn't a power play. Yeah, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't a power play goal, it's still um, Maroon came out of the box uh, in overtime, had to you know, basically chased the puck down defensively, got in the offensive zone and then couldn't get back quick enough. Um, I mean, I guess if, if I'll ask a question, what's Pat Maroon doing out there with a minute 24 left? I, I don't know. Um, but I put this out there on Twitter after the first period, everyone was salivating over Colorado. Um, Tampa was over plus 400 to win that game. They were plus 131, I want to say, at, at plus a goal and a half. Those were amazing bets, in my opinion. I fired on both of those. I, I took a flyer, put this out there before the game started. I said, put a few bucks on overtime as well. I was looking at the implied tolls for both teams in the, the sports books. It just felt like it was going to be a close game. And plus 150 for the outcome of the game for Tampa to, for Tampa to win just was, was, was juicy. It was awesome. So, you know, from a betting angle, there's a lot of fun right now. The teams are pretty even, but Colorado's going to get a lot more love. So, there's going to be value on Tampa. And I still think Colorado comes back. Or excuse me, I still think Tampa comes back and takes the series. Even if Colorado goes up to nothing, Tampa's still going to be just fine. I think. Nope. And no matter Not what happens. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I kind of hope it happens, Tony, just so I can prove you wrong. We'll better, we'll better built bar. We'll better built bar on it. Okay. How many <laughs> times is Mikel Sergachev going to score from the point through traffic? It's, it's uncanny what he's been able to do the last two games. It's, it's just smart, good hockey. That's all it is. It is smart, good hockey, knowing the situation, knowing where your teammates are. And that's the difference of the Pete DeBoer system where you take these lazy shots from the points, but your forwards are in each of the corners waiting for the chip in versus, you know, a clear path to the net where the goalie is going to see the puck the moment it comes off the stick. And that's what playoff hockey is. It is simply gritty goals. It is, this is, this is, I tell my son two things as he is progressing through hockey right now, keep your feet moving, go to the dirty areas, have fun. Most importantly, that's number one. I'm not putting weight, putting pressure on him or anything like that. But, uh, you know, as he's learning the game and we're watching or he's playing, keep your feet moving, go to the dirty areas. Number two, go to the dirty areas. That's where all these goals are being scored from right now. Okay, if you're Philadelphia, you know, 
say Philadelphia was trying to lure you to be their head coach, what would it take about $7 million a year and free built bars for life? Well, Barry Trotz turned down $7 million a year. So maybe the built bars will, uh, <laughs> will, uh, you know, turn, help it, but it looks like Tortorella's get, got an offer for, uh, yeah. from Philly. And I, I think he's perfect for just the Philly, uh, mindsets and mentality and, uh, you know, the, that East coast, uh, tough personality and such. So I think it'll be, um, I think it'd be a good show if he were to take on the head coaching job in Philly. It'd be a lot of fun, I think. Bring back, was it the Broad Street Bullies or something like that? Yeah, the Broad Street Bullies. A couple of soft goals in that first period against uh, Vasilevsky last night. He struggled. He looked rattled for the first time in the cup playoffs, I thought. They put up a stat. That was, I think it was the second goal. That was the first five-hole goal he gave up in all the playoffs. How about that for think wow. about that for a second? I didn't. Yeah, I missed that stat. I was probably. I think I had it on mute by that point. <laughs> and hey, thank goodness that they didn't. They they saved us from those end zone shots that they had repeatedly on ESPN. I like the end zone shots. I oh, like the they're just camera. you like those? I do. I, I I like it for the power play definitely. I think uh, it gives you a good perspective. Honestly. I wish, I, I know we're getting short on time here. I wish they would do more north-south and I wish they would do the NFL style camera where you got it kind of not in the drone, but it's on like the big cords and kind of goes and stuff. I know you got the, the scoreboard in the way, but I would love cameras that follow the play north-south that give you a true perspective about the speed of the game and the passing. I think the east-west doesn't do enough justice for the game. So do you think that this gets knotted up at one game apiece, headed back to Tampa after Saturday's game? Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely a Tampa truther, but I think Colorado is going to improve and I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa or excuse me, if Colorado won the game, it's a one goal game, no matter what happens, it's going to be close, but I I want, I want to prove you wrong. So let's go Colorado game number two. And then uh, Tampa comes back to Colorado next week, uh, tied two two, and it's going to be awesome. All right. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to be recapping everything that transpires at today's introductory press conference for Bruce Cassidy. We're going to hear a lot of the Bruce. Is that going to be part of the chance next I season? <laughs> I know you're preparing for it. Uh, Rob, thanks. Robin Leonard chance. <laughs> Hamburger. You need to dress up like the Hamburglar and distract him. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. Second list, and make sure you check out Locked on NHL as they cover the Stanley Cup final like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions, local experts every Monday through Friday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris G., I'm Tony Cardasco. I'll be joining you from Los Angeles tomorrow. And so we'll be back again tomorrow morning right here on Locked on Golden Knights. Take care.